Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, alongside John Dam Johnston, our founder and fearless leader, and in uncharted waters, uh, new to the podcast. Well, it's not his debut episode on uh, the Five Heart Podcast, but uh, new as far as with my interactions, but uh, he's a longtime friend with John Johnston, and somehow he claims that and admits to it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, Todd Wolverton comes back to the Five Heart Podcast. Todd, welcome officially along. You're going to be a, a semi-regular, but welcome along. Well, hey, thank you very much, Greg. I, I really appreciate it. I enjoy listening to you guys a lot. Yeah, you're the one. All right. <laughs> so what does that mean now <laughs> uh just keep downloading it. that's what i do every week i just download it but since i participate i don't listen to it so. <laughs> uh so it's gonna be a, a a fun episode because we actually have some husker news and notes and uh as importantly we get to make fun of iowa uh we took last week off uh two weeks ago of course we, uh, as you know was hoss's uh grand finale I haven't heard from Haas since then. I hope he's doing well. Haas, reach out. I'm kidding. Uh, He's dead to us. No, he's not dead to us. Uh, But last week, there was just a lot more uh, important stuff going on in the world, and uh, certainly not that uh, that has taken a week off. But we we feel like uh, there's just enough news and notes and information to pass along to get together and chat with you, maybe distract you a little bit from the real world out there. Uh, so let's talk about it. I think perhaps the biggest news, John, we'll start with you, is that uh, J.D. Spielman is officially gone. Entered the transfer portal. Poof. There he goes. He did. And it, it's kind of, I think that people probably, if they really looked at the situation, knew that this was going to happen, but... Uh, I mean, anytime you have a chance to bring back your top uh, producing receiver, you want your offensive production to return as much as possible. So, you know, I I hope Mr. Spielman the, I, finds a place to go and finds a place that's uh, right for him, although I don't exactly know how he's going to do that since he did not finish the academic spring semester and therefore would be academically ineligible as he also has not graduated. Uh, I don't, I don't know how he is going to transfer unless he's, he's dependent upon the NCAA to give him a waiver. And, you know, do they do that? Normally not if you're academic ineligible, but this year is kind of a weird year and uh, anything can happen. So obviously the right, well, the most logical place for him to go would be Minnesota, where his dad is uh, the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. And, now you, you just know, I, Minnesota you, could use him. You just stole my thunder because I was going to say, Todd, I didn't know if you know this or not, but JD's dad is Rick Spielman, the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. They never mentioned that at all during any of the uh, uh, broadcasts. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's like no. that, well, that, I knew his uncle was Chris Spielman, and he was one tough hombre. So that, that you know that uh, JD Spielman's uh, dad, Rick, being the uh, GM of the Vikings, became the new. Hey, did you know that uh, um, uh, Tommy Armstrong and Jordan Westerkamp are roommates? I mean, that just became the crutch that the announcers always relied on. But uh, it seems to be. Look, we know that there were some injuries. And, you know, being undersized and, and, you know, I'm reminded of, uh, the movie, uh, uh the, the name of it, Jerry Maguire, but, you know, Rod Tidwell, undersized, going over the middle, getting laid out a lot. And that's kind of what Spielman, his responsibility was, uh, there might be some concussion issues, but do you think that maybe he just takes the year off and, you know, since not saying, you know, nepotism or anything like that, but since his dad as a general manager knows, you know, what 
the next level is looking for says, get yourself in the weight room, you know, and, and just possibly enters the draft next year, you know, even without playing in the fall. I think, I think that's a, a possibility. Um, isn't it also a possibility maybe that he enters the supplemental draft coming up? I mean, that, that door's open and, you know, then, and this is probably pretty far fetched, but if he drops down a class, he would be in, immediately eligible. And from what I understand, there's a heck of a good quarterback up at North Dakota state. And last time I looked at the map, that's right next to Minnesota. So, um, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I would hate to see him at Minnesota. I know that makes sense. I don't want to see him playing against Nebraska. It's hard to, you know, you cheered for the guy, and now he's on the other team. I, I don't like that. Could be it's worse. kind of like that son of a bitch, Brett Favre, when he became a Viking quarterback. Fuck him. <laughs> I could cheer for him then. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, I just found out a, a little piece of trivia this morning I didn't know. And that's that Brett Favre was not drafted by the Packers. No, Falcons. Falcons. I didn't know that. I just thought I thought he was a lifer in Green Bay. I don't know why anybody would want to. Green Bay sucks. Wisconsin as a whole kind of sucks. <laughs> wow. Oh, a lot of anger there. Oh, oh, really? That you were just calling Brett Favre a effing traitor and, and, and using swear words that I'm not going to repeat, but I'm the one with a lot of anger? John, with your uh, old man robe? Yeah, but, you know, first of all, I'm old. Secondly, I'm crusty. Third, you know, it's what I do is uh, anger. It's it's why we've kept you around this long. It, uh, it, you're, you are like the Sith Lord. Your anger fuels us all. Yeah, or fungus. He's kind of like fungus. <laughs> it's kind of like fungus? <laughs> Just can't get rid of it. Oh, my God. Well... If um, I almost got my conferences mixed up, I was going to say that if uh, J.D. Spielman ended up in North Dakota State, he'd be in the conference opposite of a former teammate of his. But Southeast Missouri uh, State University, SEMO, is, I believe, in the Ohio Valley Conference, not the Missouri Valley. And that's where Andrew Bunch landed, uh, I believe it was last week. Um, so he's he's going to be uh, at SEMO. The only, honestly, the only way I know that is because I have uh, I used to live down in Cape, uh, did about a five-month radio stint down there, got fired, only job I've ever been fired from, apparently 4 o'clock in the morning, and I don't agree, uh, whatever. Uh, and But one of the guys I'm still buddies with down there sends me a text. He says, hey, uh, Andrew Bunch just signed on here. What do you know about him? I said, eh, nothing memorable. <laughs> I mean, you know, because he didn't have the opportunity. Uh, no. You know, he came in. At, at at best, he was a little stopgap, you know, if Martinez was hurt, which was the situation, you know, uh, Martinez, Martinez, the freshman year. I don't think, did he play at all last year, Bunch? Because they went with Noah Vedral, they went with uh, uh, McCaffrey. I don't know if he saw the field. You know, I'm not sure. Something Something's ringing around the back of my head. Maybe he got out there. You know, to you know, I don't know when when maybe Martinez went off. Maybe he was the guy that came on for a series, and then Bedro. I don't know. I, I can't remember for sure. Well, I know we we all he did. He did nothing memorable. That's right? a, and that that's what I said. I, I said you know he, but he was, you know, coming in. It, he was a, a player that you know we were. I mean, at least. You know, I don't want to say lukewarm, but we were at least moderately interested in. You know, uh, I think every quarterback is. I mean, of course, we're Husker fans. We're a little crazy. Emphasis on crazy. Uh, but you know, every player that comes in, we you know we gravitate towards them and we we pump them up. Uh, so I think we were all excited for Andrew Bunch, knowing that hey, you know, we have Noah Vedral, we have Adrian Martinez. Opportunities are going to be limited. That's how I always looked at Andrew Bunch. I don't think he I, – I think, if anything, he was miscast at Nebraska. Miscast? Yeah, John. Like, he he didn't – he wasn't the fit. Otherwise, he'd be still in Lincoln, you know? 
I think I think with the portal and all of that, it's made transferring a lot easier. And you know, when they come from out of state, they don't have that lifelong desire to play for the Huskers and you know be there in that stadium and soaking it all in. Um, I, I think, especially with quarterbacks, they all think that they ought to be playing somewhere. And you know, Southeast Missouri State, um, I think they're the Bears or. No, that's not the Bears. That's South. They are the Red Hawks. Red Hawks. Okay. Um, good for him. You know, he, yeah. he'll have a chance to to battle for a job, and hopefully he can get out on the field and play. That's what they all want to do. That's what I want to do. Why don't you go tear down another goalpost for the opposing team there, John? Wait till this fall, you motherfucker. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> no, you won't because you're probably – well, I, I guess – Let's talk about that. Get a lot of help from the fans that aren't there. (laughs) I was going to say, let's talk about that because, uh, and and I I got a kick out of this uh, listening to St. Louis uh, ESPN radio today. They were talking about how the SEC is determined to, you know, have you know you know crowds, you know, full full stadiums, and they said, you know, of the fourteen teams or whatever, maybe twelve of them will, and they were making fun of Mizzou which I thought was funny because I don't like Mizzou either. But ah, they can't fill it up when there's not a pandemic going on. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think Ole Miss sent out a, a letter or email or some type of publication saying they plan on having, you know, full full stadium up and running as normal in the fall or when, when football resumes. I don't see the Big Ten making such a huge statement, especially in June. No, although the, there was a recent article that the University of Minnesota president said that uh, she expected to have students back on campus in the fall. And there has been an article uh, by Yahoo Sports that says, as of today, Thursday, we're recording this, that the NCAA Football Oversight Committee passed a recommendation that coaches can begin formally working with their teams on July 13th which paves the way for a 2020 college football season as we know it. Now, obviously, there's lots of things that can happen between then and and now. Uh, You know, we're past June 10th, and I made a point of the last two, three weeks of telling people that on June 10th, an alien spacecraft would fly into the Statue of Liberty, signifying an alien invasion, and billions upon billions of tiny little bug people would crawl out of the spacecraft and begin conquering the Earth. Well, shit, that didn't happen. So I'm kind of disappointed. What if it did? But because the aliens are so small and their vessel so tiny that it didn't even register. Yeah, but I also said it'd shear the Statue of Liberty in half. So, you know. <laughs> what do you have against Lady Liberty? What do you have against freedom, oh, John? On. It's like a Michael Bay film. You know, I mean, the, everything happens. Aliens always invade New York. If I was an alien, I would be like invading invading one of the Dakotas where nobody would see. West <laughs> Texas. That's what? where I would go. Let, let's first. let's do this. Let, let's not Sit put out for a while. See if the or- microorganisms would infect me. You know, have some barbecues, get to know the locals. How do we know that you're tentacles? It's just a different kind of sex positions and things. I don't know. How do we know that you're not an alien, John? It seems like you have a very well thought. I I feel like if you were going to write a book, which you should, it would be like the OJ book. I didn't do it, but if I had dot, 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 I feel like you're telling us your master plan. And because we know you in air quotes that, you know, it's all a cover. John, what planet are you really from? Okay, I, I will tell you this, that when my kids were young, I would tell them that I was not their father, that I was an alien named Murtaghachachach, and that I was an exact duplicate of their father, and their father was actually on another planet far away. Now, if you can imagine being a five-year-old kid and hearing this from your father repeatedly, it's no wonder my kids have grown up kind of goofy. You know, there was, there was a, actually one point in time when I walked around with tinfoil on my head telling them this and that the neighbors were trying to read my thoughts. And 
So when can we expect John to come back to Earth? Okay. We, we were talking about the fact that college football season might start this fall. And uh, they're going to start being able to work out with their players on July 13th. College football coaches, July 13th, to bring back their players. A lot of things can happen, like, uh, you know, alien invasion. Oh, uh, Here we go again. Hornets the size of M1A tanks. Uh, who knows, you know? Uh, they, you know, I was doing a little bit of thinking, John, while you were relating about your doppelganger here. <laughs> and Did that hurt? You doing no, some thinking? It, it, it does at times. Believe me, it does at times. But I, I think I have it figured out. You know, Greg, you asked a good question. Is the Big Ten going to have, you know, are they expecting full stadiums? Well, I've got a theory, and I think I just figured it out. We just found out in Iowa that our governor, who was – who never shut the state down uh, has just ordered 500 ventilators. Now think about that. All is good. She says we're opening up. So why would we need 500 ventilators unless the university of Iowa and Iowa state were going to have fans in their stadiums and spread the disease. So now we're prepared for this new onslaught of COVID-19 with 500 ventilators in the state of Iowa. Or maybe she's going to rent them to the SEC schools. That could be. <laughs> Is 500 ventilators going to cover it? Well, that's a start. I mean. Or is, that, have, is that how broke that fucking state is? <laughs> no, let's get, let's get 1,000. No, we, it's just 500. We want to go golfing. Well, let's not talk about politicians going golfing. I feel like that's a touchy subject. Is it? Okay. All right. Never mind. Thanks, John. Thanks for paying attention. Thanks for keeping us grounded in sports, John. You're welcome. And now since you brought up Iowa, what is going on in Iowa, Todd? Or should we save that to the second half of the show? I feel like that's, that's a... That's a big piece of the pie. We should probably save that till after the break. Can we talk about? Okay, well, more on the July thirteenth thing. Uh, apparently, what, apparently, what's going to happen is uh, they'll have a couple of eight-hour weeks, which you know doesn't sound like much, but that'll transition to a pair of twenty-hour weeks on July twenty-fourth, which really means they'll be eighty-hour weeks because everybody knows that. Uh, that's how everything goes, kind of like involuntary workouts really aren't involuntary and things like that. But uh, the idea is to get these guys back uh, with their teams and getting them back into begin, quote, football shape, end quote, so they can beat each other up. Uh, apparently something you have to do before you actually play football. So you've talked about four weeks. Is this four weeks that are part of this whole six weeks that they say that they need? Or is this in addition to six weeks where they're going to have them you know, more like for full-scale practice? The committee essentially laid out the practice guidelines to allow players to return safely prior to the traditional four-week football training camp. So this is being compared to uh, the NFL's OTAs. Long pause. <laughs> I'm just admiring Todd's mug. That's a man-sized mug. Yeah, that's uh, from Munchen, Pollyanna. Oh, what, what do you have? What well, are you I'm drink? drinking a little Sierra Nevada in that. But, oh, okay. Um, it's a good beer. They're yeah, all well, good beers. I like good beer. Thanks for classing up to join a little bit, Todd. No more Coors Banquet around here. No shit. <laughs> You know, in, in, uh, in one more week, it'll be two months without any alcohol for me. I'm sorry. But in all fairness, you do look old. <laughs> okay, but thank you so much. I, I, You know, I, I feel like I'm aging right fucking now, Greg. Well, you are. I mean, when we started this podcast, and for a, a little peek behind the curtain... We're on Zoom so we can see everybody. And when we started this conversation 25 minutes ago, give or take, John's hair was nice and neat and combed. 
Now, he looks like a raving madman. Yeah, I got to start doing something with pomade or something with this. This is my pandemic riot haircut. So, As long as you go up to uh, the counter and say, I don't want fop. I'm a Depper Dan man. I could... You, you don't do that at the counter. We have self-checkout. I will punch you. <laughs> I would punch you, but you'd bruise too easily because you're so old. <sighs> wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, there was some Twitter, I don't want to say instigators. Um, I, I know of this particular individual. Worked with him uh, briefly at a past... Husker site and don't dislike him personally, but he's always full of hot takes of the garbage or troll type variety and said, I don't have the exact tweet pulled up, but was calling, uh, I think he was calling Javon McQuitty overrated, Mike Williams overrated. And underachievers. Underachievers. I'm sorry. You're right. Underachievers. underachievers. And, uh, and even though he didn't tag these particular players uh, or young men in uh, in his tweet, they found it. Boy, howdy, did they find it. And uh, and they let loose. And I never saw a retraction because I don't care. But uh, there were some, I don't know if accusations was the right word, but I think uh, Williams uh, said something about, you know, never being in the right spot and, uh, you know, how... Troy Walters was the fall guy and all the play calling, which we all knew play calling is done by Scott Frost, but how, uh, you know, it, Walters, you know, would more or less be the scapegoat, uh, for offense and things like that. Um, was it, I mean, this was some swift social media reaction here. Did that, any of that surprise you guys? I guess not really. I mean, uh, uh, our guy that tweeted originally said that he was disappointed or he was the two players had left that were J.D. Spielman's best friends. It wasn't surprised to see Spielman leave, too. Uh, who was it? Mike Williams was the one that said he always played out of position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I guess not. You know, I mean, Twitter, 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 you're worried. Is a you know I mean it's a hellhole ground of people reacting to everything that goes on out there, and I can't imagine those guys have a lot to do right now. I mean, they're like most people are they they don't have workouts to do. So, yeah, that's what I do when I'm bored. I sit on Twitter and look for my name being mentioned. Todd, I don't know why you take shots at guys going out the door. Right, I just don't understand that. And but let let me let me ask you this, Todd. If if the coach put puts you in a place on the field that's your position right how can you i mean i'm just stirring the pot now uh but how can you be out of position if coach says hey there go there's your position i mean might not play to your strengths but you don't you know if if you're the number three receiver you got to be in the number three spot you don't get to you know streak down the field or whatever you know williams was good at it which one was he was he at he was at western Mississippi or Eastern Mississippi, right? Didn't he come from uh, the last chance you? Yeah, I think I think that was him. Yeah. Okay. You know, but I, I guess to answer your question, you know, is, is Cam Jurgens going to say that he's out of position? Yeah. I mean, you know, he was recruited as a tight end and he's playing center. Right. His position is center. And I don't know. You know, I'm starting to think that the biggest prima donna is out on the field are the wide receivers. And I don't think a lot of people are going to argue with that. And, you know, the ones that walk with the most swagger, you know, they're the ones that are, you know, the defensive backs and they walk with a lot of swagger because most of them were wide receivers that couldn't catch the ball. And, you know, they're pretty damn tough, but I, I just, I guess I've started to think a little bit more about that when you see such attrition from the team over the last couple of years of wide receivers, you know, you're dealing with egos that can't fit into the room. And, you know, I, I just think that might have as much to do with it as um, who's in position and who's right. out of position. Um, and, and, you know, piggybacking on your point there, I mean, talk about, you know, the position with the biggest egos. I mean, look at the egos in the NFL at the wide receiver position 
right now it's Antonio Brown, but it was, you know, you had a guy named Chad Johnson who was perfectly, you know, decent athlete, good athlete. I'm not trying to uh, under, under sell him. And then he, you know, his ego said, no, 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 I'm going to change my name to Chad Ochocinco. Before that, you had Terrell Owens somehow <laughs> ends up uh, in the Hall of Fame. I don't understand that one. But you've got, like, to your point, and I don't know if it's their, you know, because they make the big plays. You know, the the running backs, by and large, they don't have, I mean, they'll have, you know, big runs, but they're not making spectacular catches. You know, you don't have any Odell Beckham Jr. type of catches if you're a running back. You just, you know, find the hole, run through the hole. If you're the quarterback, you have to make the pass, but you don't have to, you know, do aerial uh, aerobics or uh, you know what I'm talking about uh, to catch the pass. So I think part of that comes with the territory of, you know, it, I've got to catch you know, David Tyree. You know, he he makes the you know catch on his helmet in the Super Bowl. I've never heard of you know Tyree having any type of ego problem, but I do think that that's a position that lends itself to a little higher maintenance, a little pamper me type of type of mentality. I agree a hundred percent. Well, they're, come on in the NFL. They're playing basketball. No, they're playing football. It's the national football league, John. Yeah, it's not no, the NBA. Not the receivers. The, the receivers are playing basketball. You can't, you know, back when I played in the NFL, <laughs> uh, you could, I could as a defensive back, take an, uh, take a machete on the field and hack one of Fred Bolitnikoff's arms right off. And he still would catch the ball because he had stick them all over him. Point, point, know, point of order. Against his body. But point. here's the thing. I could have killed Fred Bolitnikoff if he was running down the field. Now you can't even touch a guy. And these guys pretend like oh, I'm the greatest thing ever when really they're just jumping around. Nobody gets to touch me. It's the Michael Jordan. Don't touch me. Or it's a foul era of football god i sound like a radio jock shock jock don't i point of order anyway that's where they get the egos from you know have you ever seen the 2008 movie leatherheads john with george clooney no i feel like that's the era of football that you played when they had just like the little leather uh you know helmets on with no face mask everybody wore the same style of uniforms with different color stripes what are, you, what are you saying? I got head injury problems? Well, you said, when I played in the NFL, uh, I was checking my shit That's out there. That's exactly how I sounded when I said that. Uh, damn it, <laughs> Bobby. Taste the meat, not the heat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> God. What have you been drinking? Uh, water, and I took uh, a, a painkiller. Oh, <laughs> there you go. You know what I have going on in the background? Uh, I don't want to know because you, your, your rope is a lot more open than it used to be. I have my essential oils diffuser going on. All right. So this is an audio podcast. Uh, so the, the, the people at home don't know that you're not wearing a shirt and you just, when you said essential oils, you just opened up your, your robe and gave everybody a show and, uh, we don't need to see topless John. <laughs> It's like a, it's like in a, a the Adam Sandler movie Big Daddy, where he walks in on his girlfriend uh, with with the new man, and the new man's about John's age, and he's like with his loose skin and his old balls, gross. You know, I want you to know that when I whip my skin out in the sunlight, people go blind for a hundred, two hundred yards everywhere. <laughs> Wait, I just whipped my skin out, didn't I? It's not really what I meant by that, but whatever. Uh, okay, we'll just move on now. Move, we're moving on. And there's some more football news somewhere. Oh, I got it. I need a few minutes to recover from that one. Can we take a timeout? Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Uh, we're going to settle it. Uh, and we're not going to talk about our problems anymore. We're going to talk about Iowa's problems. They are a plenty, and I'm excited to talk about it, and we're going to get some insider takes because we have a uh, resident Iowan, and uh, just going to find out all about the evil that's going on in Iowa City. Looking forward to that. We'll be back to the Five Heart Podcast after this.
Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. I don't know why I was looking at the camera because this is an audio show. I don't look at the camera on my YouTube shows. So anyway, welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahochko here with John Dam Johnston, Todd Wolverton, rounding out the trio this week. Guys, can I share a disappointing meal experience with you? That'd be fun. <laughs> I like how everybody nods on an audio yeah. show. We pause. Uh, um, I uh, we had to make a run to the city. Uh, this afternoon or this evening after work, went to St. Louis, had to pick up a few things. And while we're over there, punching in GPS, oh, what sounds good for dinner? My wife has never had Raisin Cane's. And so we got Raisin Cane's. And I got to say, still overrated. Wow. I've eaten there one time. Yeah. Once is enough. It's the sauce. Everybody loves the sauce. The sauce That's is good. good. The chicken, yeah. It's okay. I had sushi. You know what's great about sushi? You hate it, don't you? Yeah, not not much is good about sushi. Okay. Todd, where do you stand on the sushi debate? Because I feel like there's Um, there's no middle ground. Not not a fish eater. I don't – raw, cooked, it doesn't matter. If it swims, I'm not eating it. Interesting. See, I like fried fish. John, where do you stand on a good old – American Legion fish fry. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not that great with fried food. We're, I don't eat a lot of fried food. Is that, is yeah, that? Here's the, here's the fucking thing about this. Okay. I have pretty much lived my life other than just being a borderline alcoholic for about 20 years. Uh, I have pretty much lived my life eating a healthy, decent diet and staying active. And, you know, and I'm the son of a bitch that falls over dead of a heart attack. Every, people remind me that you know, I, I tell my neighbors you you should stop eating so many fucking pizzas and you wouldn't have this high blood pressure problem and they look at me and they go uh, we're not the guy that died so fuck off and you know I can't say anything about that I can't come back there's no comeback from that other than whipping your skin out and everybody goes <laughs> blind And uh, but there really isn't they, uh, fried food I don't eat a lot of it uh, I do like fish I you know panfish with uh, shore lunch, which is fried, is excellent. What's wait? Did you say shore lunch? Shore lunch. What's it's shore? a mix. It's a you know, it's a batter. Okay, I didn't know. I'm not familiar. It's a Minnesota thing apparently. Now, so up in Minnesota, I've never heard of that. It must be a Minnesota thing, but it's a it's a fish batter. You take your fillets, you 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 fillet your panfish, you put them in the in the batter. And the uh, mixy stuff, you throw them in oil, you fry them. Mixy stuff. I like that. I don't do that a lot. I usually bake stuff anymore just because of the grease and the oil. Can can I ask a a very delicate question for you as a native, or not native, but as a resident Minnesotan? Oh, sure. Go ahead. You ever had the lutefisk? Yes. Tell me about it because I hear it's disgusting. Well, it's, you know, you, you have it to say you've had it. All right. You go, wow, that was, you know, all right. Woo! Do you know, you, we had my, my birthday. I turned 58 on June 6th. 258, and, folks. He means 258. 258 on June 6th. And my, my family came over, and my son is literally sitting on the couch, and there is a little tiny, little, like, cup full of dog treats, the little tiny bones, you know, that you give to the dog. I don't and like where this is going, John. My son just picks these up and he starts eating them. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't go, oh, I'm going to eat a dog treat. He just starts eating them. And I'm like, what have I raised? What is, have I done? Is that rotten, son? No. No, oh. this was the oldest one. And then he gave one to my daughter and I think she ate it. And she went, wow, this is really tasteless. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, cooking hasn't been that bad over the years. <clears throat> anyway. Well, I- I live a bunch of, I live around a whole lot of Norwegians and just 30 miles north is Decorah. And that's kind of the Norwegian capital of Iowa. They have a big cellar celebration every summer. And my daughter, a couple of summers ago was in this contest, uh, the Vite queen contest or whatever in there. She had a chuck of rock that weighed like 55 pounds. And she ran in a, the, a 5k race and whatever, but the, the uh, 
final event was Ludafisk eating. And, you know, she was, she was in the running at that point. She had points that were high enough that she could have placed in the whole thing. And they lined all these women up on the street and they handed them this bowl of Ludafisk. And she slugged them down, but it was just absolutely the worst thing she ever did. And as soon as it was all over, it all returned <laughs> the way that it went down. But I'll tell you what, there's some of those Norwegians up there. They just slurp that stuff like it's jello. Yeah. You know why that is? My mother has a was heavy Norwegian heritage and Norwegian, the Scandinavian people, they're just all internally very angry people. You know, we get, you always see those things about Sweden be the happiest nation in the world. They're fucking liars. That's because they internalize everything. They're always internalizing the Scandinavians, anger seething inside. And then when they eat the lutefisk, it's very natural to them because it just goes, oh, the bitterness of life sliding down my throat. The rest of us eat that shit and we go, there isn't a, a liquor that we're familiar with that will wash this shit out of my throat right now. You know, and that's why you go, uh, what is it? Have you ever heard of Aquavit? I think it is. Aquavit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had it? No, I've never tried it. Okay, well, that's the kind of crap you need to wash out Ludafisk with. And, uh, you know, most of the rest of the world doesn't eat that stuff and they don't drink that stuff because those things go together with internal seething. Just so this week we pissed off another segment of our listening audience, and you know, along with Omaha and everybody else, they'll never listen to us again. Now, should we move on to them fuckers from Iowa? Do you think, wait, 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 before we do, do you think we have a, like in the Venn diagram of Husker fans and Scandinavians and five heart podcast listeners. Do you think that there's a lot of common ground there? I don't feel like, you know, I don't know. I feel like Scandinavians are more hockey bound. Hey, Gothenburg is uh, Gothenburg. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not only oh. named after a town in Sweden, but it's uh, you know, the Swedes or some damn thing. Oh, uh, sorry. I forgot about that one town in Nebraska that I drive Isn't past. There a, from Gothenburg. Somewhere? Czechoslovakia was near Scandinavia. Uh, uh, not, not Czechoslovakian, <laughs> no. sir. I, the, my heritage is Slovakian, and how dare you mix the two? Okay. I'm going to sit here. I'm not going to say another word until you apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry to the Slovaks. Yeah, close enough. Everyone right. I've met has been a fairly de- decent person. Except when for they me. Were sober, which wasn't very often. All right. <laughs> so, so let's talk uh, about, as John put it, those dirty fuckers from Iowa. Yes. So, God, this is where you lead. This is where I lead. This is where you lead, Iwegian. <laughs> it's been a it's been a pretty interesting week, and and what's really uh, really kind of cool is that at least some of the most hardcore Hawkeye fans that I'm around on a daily basis they're quite they're they're very quiet right now. They they don't know what to think, and I think they have a great deal of fear. Um. And, you know, then, but then again, you take um, Chris Doyle, if it were to happen that he's released from that program and, you know, there's more to talk about here, but he's made Iowa. He, he, you know, he is the primary reason that the Iowa Hawkeyes have been as good as they have been and why they have put as many players in the NFL. It's Chris Doyle, period. And if he's gone, that changes the whole dynamic of that football program down there. So the quick rundown, I don't want to make too light of it, but this is obviously we as a country are in another exceptionally, I don't want to say sensitive time, but you know everybody has, has heightened awareness of uh, you know race and uh, you know Black Lives Matter, and and with this Chris Doyle situation, it was. What in practice or in in the the weight room where he was making some, uh, some references or 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 mocking young young black athletes on on the team or in the program. That's what it sounds like, and you know it, the way it's uh, been stated by quite a few. You know, a lot of it had to do with 
you know, some people are trying to say a lot of it had to do with motivation, you know, trying to motivate players. And I think that um, a lot of it was just plain bullying. And, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty easy to throw out the term racist, you know, um, but boy, you know, when you listen to some of the things that he allegedly said and within the context that he said them to different players, it's not that difficult to draw that kind of conclusion. I, I was looking at this 57 players have come out and made complaints about the way they have been treated at the university of Iowa. Uh, 19 of those have named Chris Doyle by, by name. And they've given examples of, of things that he said to them and, and the way that they've been treated. And there's, there's a lot of intimidation it sounds like. And, you know, I guess then right along with that is uh, the common complaint against, you know, quote unquote, the Iowa way. And Kirk Ferentz established that culture when he came 21 years ago. And um, it's pretty militaristic and it's very conservative. And, you know, quite honestly, these kids that, uh, you know, the black athletes that have sh- shown up there have been forced to really conform to some uh expectations that uh, culturally are difficult for them. So when, because every coach is different and it doesn't matter the sport or the level, it's always been noted that, you know, Bill Belichick has a very specific style of coaching. Now it yields results. Uh, You know, so does, deflating footballs and, you know, spying on opposing teams, practices and things like that. Obviously I'm no fan of the Patriots. Um, but, and, and this is not in any way a defense of Kirk Ferentz because to hell with him. Uh, but when you are recruited by a school and I'm sure every, you know, Scott Frost and every other head coach puts on, you know, the, the best song and dance they can. And they don't you know, maybe say, well, this is my coaching style. We're going to, you know, drill every morning at 6 a.m. or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but is there some type of expectation that the student athlete can have going into that school of, okay, well, this is the type of coach that he appears to be. You know, let's, you know what I mean? You mean they oversell how nice they are? Shit, yes, that's the job of the salesman is, you know, to deliver bullshit or to actually sell bullshit and then somebody else has to deliver it. In coaching, you're kind of the head guy. I think this was all started when uh, Kirk Ferentz kind of came out and initially did uh, statements about what was going on with uh, the reaction to the George Floyd, good Lord, George Floyd uh, murder, really, is what it was. Uh, and then after that, you know, some of his former players started speaking out. So um, I guess if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. And it yeah. seems like some of their responses to that, that Ferentz message was, uh, I don't want to say accusing, but, you know, you could draw, you know, a, a parallel to maybe calling him a hypocrite, you know, and based on some how uh, some of his staff treated uh you know black athletes and things like that correct or well in in the media he's come out and said you know he's made statements in the media that he wasn't aware that some of that kind of stuff was going on in his program and you know a lot of people can make a judgment on that and and ultimately the buck stops with the head coach and um you know, Rick Pitino said he didn't know what was going on at Louisville um, in that basketball program. Um, I don't, you know, when when you have a program that has, you know, 85 plus, well, 85 scholarship athletes and some walk-ons and as many people that are involved in that program, I'm sure it's pretty hard. But a lot of the, the, a lot of the media is, you know, talking about how, you know, Coach Doyle and Coach Ferentz came to Iowa together, and um, Coach Ferentz, you know, has a very strong um, 
relationship with with Coach Doyle. What about the younger Ferentz? That's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yes. Um, when he was hired, uh, they had to work through the – there's a nepotism rule in the state of Iowa, and they had to work through that. And so, in theory, um, Brian Ferentz answers to Gary Barta, who is the AD at Iowa. So, theoretically um, – if, well, I mean, the AD can hold any coach accountable, but theoretically, um, Kirk Ferentz doesn't have a say in whatever may or may not happen with Brian Ferentz because um, coach, or excuse me, uh, the AD is the one that's responsible for him. Um, you know, and there's been quite a bit documented about Brian Ferentz and, and you know, he. He's uh, pretty boisterous at times, and a uh, little bit you know, mouthy, unlike his father. Right, and and you know you you talk about Kirk Ferentz, and you know there's been some stuff in the media over here. You know, is he going to survive this? And you know, some of the players that were very critical of what was going on, or critical of quote unquote the Iowa way. Many of those players also said that the one that can write the ship that can make this work is Coach Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz. Um, you know, he's Kirk Ferentz. I'm not an Iowa fan at all. You know, I've expressed that. I, I can't stand the Hawkeyes. I've hated him since I was a kid. But Kirk Ferentz is a class act. He is a he's a good man. Um, now, people can throw rocks at me right now. Then how can he tolerate this kind of stuff going on in his program? And I understand that that criticism would be would be worthy. But um, it's it will be very interesting how it all shakes out in in Iowa City. And, um, you know, boy, you think about it from this perspective, is the University of Iowa going to um, – get rid of an entire football coaching staff here in the middle of June um, in what might be one of the most tumultuous college football seasons on record. You know, I mean, is that going to happen? I can't believe that that's going to happen, but who knows? Is there, I feel like there's going to be a fall guy, you know, besides Chris Doyle, you know, if, if, and I think he's just put on, been put on what administrative leave. Um, so if, if they, you know, if they if they go to the the level of termination after an investigation, and he's gone, there I feel like there's gonna have to have to be somebody else on that staff who's going. You know, whether they were implicit or not, they're going to. You know, is it, it? And maybe it's you know to appease the masses. Somebody else is gonna have to fall on the sword. You, you know. Again, and I'm I'm kind of referencing an article that was in the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Who, you know, they cover Iowa football as much as anybody, and uh, they they've even broken down how many coaches were cited by players in their comments in the you know who players who alleged mistreatment and Coach Doyle was obviously at the top of the list, followed by Coach Ferentz, and he was identified by some, but then the next one down the list is Brian Ferentz. And then interestingly enough, uh, coach Kaczynski, who, uh, was at Nebraska for a short period of time. He's there and coach Phil Parker and coach Wallace. Um, you know, do they sacrifice someone? I don't know, but here's something that Iowa really has to consider. It was only three years ago that the university of Iowa settled a six point something million dollar lawsuit because of Gary Barta mishandling um, some Title IX stuff with uh, some female athletic administrators slash coaches, uh, that type of thing. And, you know, he's he's been under attack for quite a few years um, because of that. And, you know, there was a period of time when the University of Iowa was on the cutting edge of uh, women's athletics when Dr. Christine Grant was an AD there um, years ago. Um, and then that happened. And so 
you know, you got to look at you know, the University of Iowa want to line up again and get involved in some legal scenarios where they could be sued and they're spending million dollars again. I, I don't know. It's, you know, Iowa haters, it could get very interesting out there. Makes you wonder if Barta won't be the sacrificial lamb. Greg, that, that, I suppose that could happen. Um, but I will tell you this, among the Iowa fans I know and the Iowa fans that I listen to, uh, they feel pretty much about him the same way a lot of us felt about Sean Eichhorst. He's not a popular AD there. Okay, well, here, here, Jaleel Johnson, defensive line 2012 to 2016. Coach Doyle is the problem in that building, and so is Brian Ferentz. Things won't progress until those two fix themselves. They know they're a problem. KF isn't. Kirk Ferenz isn't. Uh, Jameer Outsey, linebacker, 2014 to 15. Couldn't have said it better. James Daniels, I wouldn't be in the league without Coach Doyle and BF, but Jaleel is right. Change needs to start with those two. Terrence Harris, defensive line, 2014 to 15. The root to all the issues is Coach Doyle. He will throw out many different derogatory sayings or phrasing, trying to emulate the black culture. He once said to me that he'd gladly send me back to the ghetto. This type of content was normal from him. So, you know, I think, you know, three white guys talking on a white, on a podcast, we probably could all go back through our lives. Me being the oldest certainly would say that there's been a lot of times in our lives where we've been probably racially insensitive or said things that were really dumb and maybe realized it after they came out of our mouth or didn't realize it at all. And, and, and now, honestly, we're waking up to a, a different age and a different uh, awareness that, you know what, we were kind of bastards at the time. So, you know, I haven't said that. Uh, <laughs> and that, that's, that's, you know, but you, you do raise a good point though, because if there is an attempt to learn and grow and change, I mean, that's, that's the goal right now, right? But if there's, you know, repeated and continued pattern of behavior uh, from what was, you know, one of the early earliest, you know, former players that you mentioned there in 2012, I mean, if Doyle's still making those comments this summer, you know, assuming he's able to come back or maybe last fall or whatever, I mean, that's, you know, that's, you know, it's it's one thing to have, and I, I'm not condoning it, I'm not excusing it, but, you know, an, an outburst, you know, a one-time outburst or, you know, like, oh, shit, shouldn't have said that. But to, you know, do it for almost a decade, you know, it, be it a a, a poor method of, of motivation or, or, you know, however it was tried to be reasoned or explained, I don't know, Um I've got no love lost for uh, Iowa, so I don't, you know, yeah, no. I don't, I, I don't care if if the program burns, but you know, you know, I think there's I something. Think know that, you know that a couple weekends ago or whatever, I went down to a protest in Minneapolis yes. at Cup Food where George Floyd was killed. Uh, I went down there for their to talk to people to find out what they were saying, and I can be honest with you, I was there weren't many. There were not many old guys there, and there were even fewer old white guys there. And uh, I, honestly, I, I looked around and I realized that uh, the younger generation, number one, there's a lot of our generation, or a lot of our, our population in America sees America much differently than I do. Uh, and in talking to a lot of younger people, I realized that uh, they, they want things to change a lot. And they're probably more aware of what they want to change when old fucking goat fogey guys like me uh, really don't want change at all. Uh, we want everything to stay the same because that's what happens when you get older. We get used to things. And I, I remember if you, re you listen to the podcast over time, you remember me bringing up my brother-in-law's statement that the older you get, the more you hate rebels because rebels represent change. Right. Or they represent defiance. Um, now, going back to the Iowa thing, when this whole covid thing started, there were three or four congressmen 
it came out that had dumped their stocks ahead of time so that they didn't face the losses that a lot of us did in the stock market. And people were very outraged by this, right? And then a little bit ago, probably two, three weeks ago, it was announced that nobody would be following up. They wouldn't face charges. They wouldn't face investigations. And that all got swept away. And I'm sure that right now, as I bring this up, people are going, oh, yeah, that happened. Now, the thing about this is with the Iowa's football program is we're a long ways to fall. There, they, I got a press release earlier from the University of Iowa stating that Kirk Ferentz would be having a press conference uh, on Friday. And we don't know what that's about. I'm sure people are working on to spill the beans ahead of time. But probably if they were to announce, let's say Chris Doyle is, uh, I guess he's suspended or he's being investigated. Our span of attention is really crappy. Uh, There's going to be a lot of things happen between now and fall. And, you know, maybe part of this stuff is they're just depending upon everybody having a crappy span of attention and everything's going to be the same as it was in the fall. Uh, That would be kind of a shame when people are asking for a culture change, but uh, that's certainly a possibility, don't you think? Well, don't forget that Chris Doyle is also the guy who a few years ago was caught up in that rhabdo mess. And uh, I think there were, you know, 11, 12, 13 players that were hospitalized because of that. And there were some sanctions at that time. Kind of something I didn't realize at the time, I'd forgotten it. But I I read recently because, you know, of course, newspapers are really digging into this, that Coach Ferentz named him assistant coach of the year at the end of that football season after he had been you know, suspended and sanctioned because of what happened with those players. I mean, and so, you know, is how much does that weigh in? You know, what happened, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, how much does that weigh in to, to something that may happen today? Who knows? I think assistant coach of the year is a stretch, maybe most improved because, Hey, we sent a bunch of guys to the hospital early but, hey, by the end of the season, nobody died. Most improved would have been better. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know. I, I don't know. You know, it's – it's. I just know that at least the Iowa fans that, that I know, they are, um, they are very – they are very concerned right now. And, and justifiably so. I mean, you know – you got to look at it from the perspective of humanity and, you know, the way that we treat people. And um, you also then you're going to look at it from a fan perspective. And if something happens with that coaching staff down at the University of Iowa now, um, it will be really interesting. I, you know, you mentioned Brian Ferentz. I think, you know, if you're a dad and, you know, he's, you got this son that's on your staff uh, who a lot of people claim that Kirk Ferentz is grooming him, you know, to be the next head coach. You know, if the university cracks hard on him, you know, where does, where does Captain Kirk sit? You know, is he that I, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine being in that kind of a situation where if the university takes a heavy hand towards his son, because it, again, it's out of Kirk Ferentz's hand. This is a Gary Barta decision. Does Kirk Ferentz say, if my son goes, I go, you know, or. or okay. you mentioned that Iowa fans don't like Gary Barta. Uh, is that because Gary Barta, Gary Barta is uh, rather spineless. There's probably some other words that a lot of Iowa fans would use, but. I was trying know, to be delicate. I know it's rare. I was going to say, since when? (laughs) Every once in a while, I just throw a curve. I I don't know. You know, I mean, Gary Barta was beat up with, you know, that Title IX stuff and, and, you know, the sexist, um, that lawsuit with with the the female uh, administrators and coaches. He was beat up pretty bad. And, you know, he survived it. And he's still there. Okay, so Gary Barta is not spineless, but he's dumb. <laughs> I'm not going to make a comment on that. I, 
I Perhaps just, uh, the Iowa University of Iowa administration is dumb as well. <laughs> or well, keeping the, them. The University of Iowa administration, the president of the University of Iowa is a government appointee. And um, I think his name, last name is Harold. And he was put in the position at the University of Iowa by former Governor Terry Branstead. He had no academic background. He, he was not someone that came through the world of academia. He was a businessman that was appointed to run the University of Iowa. And the regents, you know, confirmed him. So Iowa runs a little bit different than a lot of colleges and universities. We, we, some people call no, it different. Nobody disagreed with that. Some people call it different. Some people call it bass backwards. <laughs> My mom would well, say bass backwards. Is you know, it's kind of funny because as much as, um, as much as I can't stand the Hawkeyes, like I said, I've hated them since I was a child. Um, this, this in a way is, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm. This could be a bad thing. This could be a bad thing. Eager to Wait see. a minute. A bad thing for Iowa. A bad thing for Iowa. And I, you know, I, I should say in all seriousness that we shouldn't make too fun, too light of this, too much fun of this, because uh, I would expect some of this stuff to play out in other football programs. And, you know, What's that line about throwing stones if you live in a glass house or some damn thing like that? Yeah, yeah you're not supposed to. You so, know, at Nebraska, they've had their issues, you know, with different types of things. It, it happens to everyone. Um, the timing for this one was not real good, you know. Um, but it's it's part of this awakening, you know, that I think a lot of people are having. And, um, you know, who knows if 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 – Kirk Ferentz hadn't made that comment, you know, last week. Uh, would this have ever come to the surface, you know? You could have this, uh, you know, uh, coaching staff or, or uh, you know, weight room bully continue his uh, treacherous ways. The evil Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott Frost this week on Sports Nightly said, we're just trying to, about this issue, we're just trying to communicate like we do anytime there's an issue, and that's just communicate the best we can and keep an open dialogue. There are a lot of people hurting and a lot of people angry. We don't claim to have all the answers. We just want to be there for our kids when they need to talk to somebody or when they need anything from us. So he also said he's, thinks his team is united. And we really, I don't recall seeing anything from Nebraska players at all about this issue in regards to whether the football programs had any problems or things like that. So, Well, keep in mind that part of the Iowa way was controlling, um, you know, a heavy-handed control over what players said and their ability to speak out. And, you know, they, they had no social media. They, they could not use social media at all until just this week. Um, the, it, was, it was pretty heavy-handed. And, you know, if you want to call it old school, it was old school. Well, you had an article by Darrell Johnson, Colianis, DJK, who is one of Iowa's best receivers uh, in on Hawkeye Nation, I think the website was by Rob Howe, and that article was deleted after it came out. And uh, if you go out and look at Twitter and Rob Howe's Twitter account, there are a lot of angry people replying to him, stating, why would you let this guy write an article? Because DJK was, uh, I believe, he got involved, he was charged with some drug issues, and uh, he was a guy that uh, he and Kirk Ferentz batted heads did I say that right? But they butted heads. heads. They smashed heads. <clears throat> this is where the English in the brain gets screwed up sometimes. Anyway, uh, he was uh, pretty damning about Karen's Ferenc, but I think everybody knew that ahead of time. So people saw as a hit piece, but it was 
it was interesting about the control that uh, Kirk Ferentz expected to exert over his players. I'll stop talking because I'm butchering the English language right now. Well, DJK was a, a very good player at Iowa, and he was also a very popular player at Iowa. You know, the fans loved DJK. And, you know, then when the drug situation came down, you know, there's a, a sordid story with all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, he's throwing out accusations that Kirk Ferentz was involved in that in some way. You know, I mean, he's the media. What he posted, it's it's really kind of damning. Um, but he could be, you know, it could be somebody that's trying to get some revenge out there, you know. I thought one of the more interesting things he said was 10 years later, he's still not welcome at Iowa. And I think when you, when you actually get the chance to talk to like Husker players, former Husker players, uh, they are a huge family of people. I mean, I see, I I don't, I was going to say it's like organized crime mafia family, but that has negative connotations. And I don't want to, I don't want to say that. So just, we'll blot that from the record. The jury will ignore that. Uh, but I, I have talked to former football players from a number of other programs. And, you know, when, when you see these comments about like Chris Doyle, I'm going to send you back to the ghetto stuff. The things that some of these other football players were bring up, is just how much pressure they were constantly under to perform or to fall in line, or they would have their scholarships yanked, which is, you know, I, we don't hear about that much publicly, but it's, um, it's an ongoing issue. You know, it's, it's out there. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think whether it's Iowa or whether it's Nebraska, you know, the two States are not that much different and, you know, th- there has to be, you know, you're bringing in black athletes from urban areas into both of these schools. And how comfortable do they feel? How accepted do they feel? And I think that's a challenge for staffs. That's a, a challenge for communities. That's a challenge, you know, for administration at those colleges and universities. And um, no one had heard this before at the University of Iowa until this all blew up last week well it's fun to see somebody else's house on fire for a change yes it is (laughs) (laughs) especially that one yeah yeah uh if it can't be iowa uh then it should be ohio state or alabama Um, oh fuck that wisconsin fuck them yeah wisconsin is a garbage state all right that is uh i didn't go that far but you know yeah, you might as well have, and and all their all their pro teams suck too. Uh, so <laughs> that'll do it for this uh, episode of the Five Heart Podcast. We want to uh, extend our our gratitude and appreciation uh, to Todd for for joining us, and and Todd will be a semi regular, and we'll we'll visit with you again in a couple of weeks, sir. If that's all right, if that works with your schedule, sounds sounds great, Greg. And it's it's been a pleasure. It's nice to meet you and. John, you bastard. Good to see you again. Yeah. I got a new hairdo. Yeah. It, it's his hairdo, folks, has changed eighteen times uh since we've been recording this tonight. Uh and he can't he can't leave it alone, those wavy silver locks. Uh so for John I'm gonna run their fingers through my hair, even though I'm incredibly We're gonna run out of time again. Shut up, John. Uh for John Dam Johnson, for Todd Wolverton, I'm Greg Mahachko. We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red!